Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Miami Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, what's going on? Well, everything is uh, is going well. It's copacetic. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. It's been a while. Yes, it has. But there's always some new stuff coming up, even with uh, no football. Yeah, um, we are recording this. It is early Wednesday morning, and, and last night, uh, a nuclear bomb of a commitment for Miami, which has been hot on the recruiting trail, um, doing a really good job locking down the, the state of Miami, the South, the South Florida region. And yesterday, pretty late at night, what was that, like 8, eight o'clock, 9 o'clock, something like that, James Williams, five-star athlete from American Heritage and Plantation, the number one player in Florida, the number one athlete in the country, and the number nine overall player in the nation, kind of surprisingly commits to Miami. It wasn't one of those, you know, sometimes we, we kind of know these announcements are coming. Um, this one was a, legitimately a shocker, not just because Georgia was kind of viewed as the favorite, but but because we didn't think, like, an announcement was coming of any sort. And Miami, um, out of nowhere, is able to reel in their biggest commitment Legitimately, potentially in 10 years. Um, if you go 24-7 sports, uh, their composite rankings has a, a system where they kind of rank all-time recruits. And I think they have Williams right now as like the number 140 recruit of all time. He's the highest ranked guy on that list since Chantrell Henderson committed or signed with Miami in 2010. So it's a legitimately like monumentous, you know, once in a decade type addition for Miami. Obviously, they got to hang on to him. Um, but in his tweet announcing it, he says he's shutting things down with the COVID-19 pandemic. It's pretty easy to believe that that's the case, considering uh, we don't know when guys are going to be able to take visits again. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a absolutely massive addition for Miami. Um, and I think the shock of it is made it as exciting as everything. It was one, probably one of the more exciting Miami sports moments uh, since sports got shut down by the, the pandemic in March. David, you've seen, you've seen a lot of him. Uh, yeah. you know, how would you describe his play? Just, just watching, forgetting five star. I mean, I think you can obviously like you, you gotta know the right, if you just knew that he was like a top, whatever recruit, like a top 50 recruit and you looked at his size and you knew he played safety, you'd kind of think that he's the type of player he is. He's six, five two twenty ish. Um, you know, he's a guy that I, I remember his freshman year play, when he was playing at uh, Monsignor Pace. People were wondering, like, is he a defensive end sometime, somewhere down the line? You know, at that time, he, he was playing safety, and he's stuck with that position. Um, you know, so obviously that size stands out first. He's extremely physical at that size, obviously. Like, you know, who knows if he sticks at safety? He wants to, but, you know, that's obviously, you know, he could be like kind of a hybrid linebacker safety would make sense for him, you know, striker potentially. Um, but at that size, he's also not just a run-stopping guy, not just a guy who tries to blow guys up over the middle. He had six picks last year for uh, Western High School in Davie. Um, he's since transferred back to American Heritage. Um but yeah, I mean, he is—he has the size, and it doesn't stop him from being the sort of rangy athlete that you want on your back end. I mean, he's—he's he's a strong safety, probably ultimately, but um, you know, he's not just a one-dimensional physical guy. He is a legitimately great athlete, obviously, 
Um, I think he also last year had like five catches for 136 yards and, and three I, touchdowns. I that. that was pretty cool. So like, yeah, he's, they, I, you know, I saw them play in a, a preseason game last year. I think one of the few times I, I actually saw Western last year um, going up against Palmetto, which is one of the top teams in, in Miami-Dade County. And, you know, basically like in emergency situations, they stick him at wide receiver because that's a... I mean, that is a freak body to, to throw at, a 6'5", 220 guy who can run like he does. Um, I mean, his idol, Sean Taylor, he tries to play like Sean Taylor. Like, that's, uh, it's no, you know, it's not just like he threw hashtag RAP Sean Taylor in that tweet because it, he's a safety command in Miami. That's kind of the guy that you go all the way back to his freshman year. And I remember Joe Zacchio, who was the coach at Pace at the time, said he was the most, you know, obviously he's biased at the time coaching him, but but he said he's kind of the most impressive uh, young defensive back he'd seen in Dade County since Sean Taylor. And, and I think that's going to be the natural comparison point because of his ranking and, and because of his, like, physical style of play. Um, but but the style is, is a match, even though, obviously, it's unfair to compare anyone to Sean Taylor. I, I, I love that he, he ran back, I think, or caught uh, two two-point conversions. And also, uh, I, I did notice that the first three years he played, he went to three different schools. Yes. I know he's gone back to American Heritage. Could you talk to me about that a little bit? What's up with that? Um, three different schools, first three years. So I don't want to get too much into like his personal story because it um, is okay. like, pretty tragic. Um, I think Chris Fisher, uh, who was at NBC... Uh, down here in South Florida, did a, a, a story about his background. Um, so I recommend people checking that out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, basically his, his mother died when he was uh, pretty young. Um, and I know, so, so he started at Pace. I'm not sure why he went from Pace to Heritage at first, but then I know he went to Western, basically uh, his guardian uh, got a coaching job at Western. So he spent a year um, there. Um, now, obviously, back at, at a, back at American Heritage, so I, I'm not sure if he's still on staff at Western or if he, maybe he went to Heritage. But I know at least the move from Heritage to Western, which was a surprise to a lot of people, because you know Heritage is obviously like a private school powerhouse that, that's usually kind of getting the kids to transfer in rather than losing, um, you know, five star guys. Um, but so now he's back there. I, I I know at least that was sort of like a guard. His guardian was coaching at Western. Um, gotcha. So. But yeah, I mean that's obviously you know for three schools in four years, three transfers in four years is is well, usually I, a red I, flag. I always think, yeah, I, it's I a red flag. I always think academics, but I, oh, yeah. I have no idea. I, I really don't know. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe it's an academic thing. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 west or the heritage to western transfer surprised a lot of people last year. Um, right. make, makes sense, I guess, that he's back at back at heritage and. Obviously, that school is a reputation right now. Really, I guess more a couple of years ago for cranking out really good defensive backs, uh, considering their head coach is Patrick Sertan. So uh, he'll have good instruction there um, for the next year, assuming we play football at some point. Great. Yep. And actually, anyway. American, we'll talk about this later with the FHSA's decision. You, you talked to a couple of recruits, but... Um, FHSA's decision to keep the calendar intact and the way it might affect uh, our, our South Florida schools and some of the other big metro area schools. American Heritage, I, I do not believe, competes as part of the 
Broward County Athletic Association. So they're actually independent. They can kind of make their own decisions about whether to play this season. Um, you know, everyone down here is obviously still like taking precautions, but but it's worth noting that right now they actually probably have a better chance of playing a season than a lot of other schools uh, down here in right. South Florida. Um, the Williams edition is, I think, in, in a, some ways a little bit of proof that the recruiting momentum is real. You know, who, who knows? Because every indec- decision is independent, but. Um, this class is starting to remind me, you know, a little bit of that 2018 class. And I, I think I might have even mentioned this a few months back. Um, basically in the way that the, you know, the 2019 class, which is probably like the most disappointing recruiting class Miami has had in the last like five years or so, um, just in terms of like the rankings of the kids and all that stuff. Um, there was never kind of like, you know, there's, there's a lot of good kids in that class, a lot of, like, leader personalities in that class, but there was never seemed like there was exactly, like, that camaraderie that, that, yeah, I mean, if you just follow all these kids on Twitter, you can see pretty much right after guys commit, they're, like, all in. There's no, There has not, not been, even with guys like Romello Brinson, who, who you know, was, was kind of maybe a little bit of an upset when Miami landed him over LSU, the wide receiver from Northwestern, you know, in some – Recent years, when those guys commit, it's you know it doesn't feel like it's over, and obviously things can always change. But but these guys who have all committed recently, um, and notably picked Miami over over big time schools, not picking Miami like early in the process, and Miami tries to hang on for dear life. But with all these kids who have committed, they've kind of immediately become like really vocal, at least on social media, about like trying to recruit all the other kids they know and, and just being excited about things happening in Miami, being excited about things going on with the recruiting class. Um, you know, obviously, you know, those, those five Northwestern kids, they also, since the last time we recorded, they got Cameron Kinchins in the fold, a, a four-star safety uh, from Northwestern. Um, that Having those five who are like all play together, who are all really good friends, who all grew up together and who are all kind of big personalities and obviously, you know, just know a lot of kids from, um, you know, playing – in little league and stuff like that. Um, I think that that's helping a lot. Just having, you know, Khalil Brantley was kind of like the original, like ambassador is it, of the class is like a term people use a lot to refer to like, as the guy who's like kind of the spokesperson, like you can always count on him to give a good quote. You can always count on him to like be the first guy on Twitter, like trying to pump guys up or, or trying to, you know, just get people to, to think about Miami. Um, but really, like, it's a class full of those guys now. And those Northwestern kids, um, you know, Romello Brinson, Cameron Kinchins in particular, are, are kind of giving them, I think, that extra foothold that, that certainly seems to be paying off. I mean, James Williams is a big enough recruit that he's not going to be swayed just by a bunch of local kids who want him in the in the fold. But, um, I mean, it, it definitely seems like it, it's at least, like, building excitement. And my it's... Manny Diaz is the king of the off season still, and and it's we're true. in a never and, I, and we're in a never ending off season right now. It feels like I really think that not being able to, uh, yes. you know, the dead period being extended through August. I mean, they can't even think about going anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, it I is. It's like it, the elephant. You know what I'm saying? I I just uh, I think that actually all keeps them even closer and. 
you know, tied to UM. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... I don't even know if it's the elephant in the room, because it's, it's like the elephant in the room, but we've all discussed it finally. Like, it's it's such a a big factor, and everyone is aware of it. And obviously, yeah. it goes two ways. One is, you know, if Miami does not play this season, they can't have a disappointing six and seven year that would, like, scare off kids and think, ooh, maybe things aren't turning around. But, but I think the bigger part of it, obviously, right now, is, um, you know, home is important to a lot of guys and I, I think you're obviously part of it is just not being able to visit um places um you know James Williams had Georgia as his other finalist like who knows when he's going to take a be able to get to Athens or like right. you know uh Romello Brinson LSU was kind of the favorite viewed as the favorite for him um I think he got to LSU before things shut down but like who knows when he's going to get back to Baton Rouge um and even, you know, the the next kind of group of kids are all Miami's going hard after this, this group of kids from Palmetto, including five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor and, and five-star cornerback James Marshall. And, you know, they're they're kind of Florida as the other team, and they've been to Florida a lot, but but who knows when they're going to get to Gainesville. And, and, you know, not that they're getting to Miami anytime soon, but those assuming those kids live somewhere near where Palmetto High School is, that means they live like 20 minutes away from campus. So, like... That's that's obviously a big factor, but then I also I think just like the pandemic is making people realize like you know Absolutely. how hard yeah. it is to be away from home. Like you know, oh yeah. The uh, if you look at just some of the transfers that have happened over the last couple of weeks, yep. uh, Devad Wilson, who was was a Northwestern kid uh, who has been at Georgia for a couple of years, a cornerback, uh, went into the transfer portal a couple of days ago. And in his, like, tweet announcing it, he said he wanted to come closer to home. You know, I'm sure he's sitting at home right now thinking, like, or maybe not now, but was sitting at home over the summer during all this and, like, thinking about how hard it was going to be to potentially be away from family after this. Um, I think it was it Henry Gray, who was a, a kid once upon a time committed to Miami, and, and that actually two kids who did this, Henry Gray and Jaden Francois, were both – uh, committed to Miami at one point, ultimately signed with Nebraska in like in February or you know earlier this year. Went yep. up to maybe I don't even know if they ever got up to Nebraska because of um, the coronavirus, but have since put their names in the transfer portal. Henry Gray is going to be at FIU. Um, Jaden Francois, I would you know assume also looking to come a little closer to home. So those are people are realizing that. Uh, Family is important. Being close to home is important. Like, you know, I, I, my family's up in Maryland. I haven't been to Maryland in, um, what is it now? It's and almost the end. It's almost August. I haven't been up to Maryland in like seven months because of this thing. Yeah, and they're and I think they're also realizing, you know, and I like you said, I, I did talk to three uh, commits for the 2021 class yesterday, and um, you know, I, you know. They said Ryan Ryan Rodriguez told me that uh, all the top players are making their decisions. Yeah, because because we don't know if we'll have a season. We don't know if we'll take visits. We don't know anything. Everyone is trying to get their spot and commit early. There are a lot of unknowns. I don't plan on changing for my UM decision. He said. So uh, of course he's local, but mm-hmm. um, Columbus, you know, too. Columbus. Yep, and uh, yeah, so. It's, I, 
I think it'll be very interesting if and when it, you know, it all changes and if things do open up. That'll be real. I can't, 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 David, can't you just see the coaches, the, the college football coaches going nuts, you know, trying to get all these other guys. But UM's 2021 class, I think, has do they have 19 commitments there? 19 guys. And, you know, uh, like I said, a lot, most of these kids are, like, pretty locked in. So there's only, you know, so let's, they, let's say. Maybe, what, six more? Yeah, so let's say they get to five, 25. They have six more and then maybe, a, you know, a couple of guys decommit. You know, they're they're pretty much done recruiting. Like they've got six to eight guys or something left that they're gonna. And, and usually they like to. Uh, they'll also, if they're smart, and they are. They'll you know they'll hold a couple spots just in case of emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's, yeah. there's not a whole lot uh, left to really be done. Um, yeah, you mentioned just the amount of kids committing, and Bud Elliott at twenty four seven Sports has done a really good job, kind of chronicling. This throughout the uh, pandemic, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find the latest updated numbers, but um, he had been basically like looking at how many kids had committed already this year, as opposed to like this time last year, this time two years ago, this time three years ago. And at least for the like first few months of the uh, pandemic, like March, April, which is, um, you know, before usually there's like the big run on commitments, we were like at double the usual numbers because these kids were had no idea. Like you got to lock in your spot if schools want you now. Um, you you got to they you, they felt pressure to commit because you have no idea when um, when you're going to be able to visit anyone else. Like if you got one school interested in you, but you're hoping to get another school interested in you, uh, but you are not going to be able to get there to play in a camp. You don't know if you're going to have a full season for them to watch your film. Um, it's a, it's a risk, obviously, to uh, not take advantage of the the spot being offered to you. Um, now, of course, a lot of these kids that, that are, are getting Miami fans really excited, like James Williams, um, don't have to rush. Like James Williams can commit anywhere he wants, um, and they're holding spots open for him. But right. you know, with guys like you know, like a Ryan Rodriguez, who, who's a three star center, but kind of like viewed as like a little bit of an under the radar gem down here. In South Florida, you know, once Miami's interested in you, you know, he, he talked about maybe visiting LSU at some point, but I don't know how big their interest was. Like, you got to take that at Miami spot when it's available to you. Um, you know, Deshaun Troutman, a, a three-star linebacker, another guy you talked to, kind of another guy I thought of as a little bit of an under-the-radar gem here in Florida um, who potentially, you know, could have had a big summer and big fall. Once that Miami spot's there, it, it's pretty tantalizing to take it. So I think with like kind of those low four star, high three star type guys, it's a a little bit more of a factor than it is with a guy like James Williams or Romella Brinson um, or Jabari Ishmael who committed over the weekend. Um, but it certainly has helped Miami fill out the depth of this class. And I think the depth is pretty impressive in this class. It's really hard to go by the rankings right now um, because we didn't have that summer evaluation period. Uh, you know, where guys are at camps or playing in like all-star tournaments and stuff. But yeah, I tweeted it last night. So they've got 16 kids from South Florida committed. 10 of them were um, first team all county picks by us last year by, at the Miami Herald. And I don't know the numbers offhand. I, I've tweeted it before, but they've got 19, ki- 18 kids from Florida committed and like 12 of them played in state championships last year. So like they they've done a really good job kind of getting the the kids who are, even if the rankings don't like reflected, are, are super productive high school kids. 
um, and were super productive as juniors. And those are obviously guys that everyone wants. Like, even if they're not the, the flashiest five-star, four-star recruits, they're guys that just everyone knows can play the, the exact kind of depth pieces you want in a class. Right, and now all they need is football. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because they're the, they're the young ones, you know? I think that's going to that, – that'll really hurt Miami if, the, if something with the season happens uh, with, you know, the, with the DR Kings and those guys. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be definitely a shame if, if this season doesn't happen because, you know, not because Miami had the the greatest season last year, but because there's so much excitement about, uh, really about, like, some of the new guys or some of the guys who are potentially playing their last year. like Yeah, and the new style of offense. You yeah. know, it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. It would be a shame. Even if it would maybe be good for recruiting because. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it happened. That's true. It, it has already, but uh, yeah, the quarterback thing is problematic. But yeah, they do have quarterbacks. They do have good young quarterbacks too. So, um, as you mentioned, you talked to a couple of recruits uh, throughout the day yesterday for a story you wrote. Um, I guess we'll. I'll give the background really quickly. On Monday, the FHSAA board of directors voted to keep the fall sports calendar intact. That means the plan is to play state championships in December. The plan is to start uh, football season in August. The plan is to start practices on Monday if you can. Obviously, most of the state, at least the biggest counties in the state, are not going to be doing that. I think already four of the seven largest counties in the states have uh, officially said they're not going to start Monday, and that does not include Miami-Dade and Palm Beach counties, which almost certainly are not going to be starting Monday either. Um, right. So that has put football season in jeopardy for a lot of metro, big, a lot of recruits in the big metro area, particularly South Florida, which is where, um, what is it, 15 or 16 people, 16 members of Miami's class are, are South Florida guys. Um, another one, Deshaun Troutman, is from Orlando, and, and you know their season, they're also kind of a little bit of a COVID hotspot right now. So they're right. they're, in, they're in a pretty similar spot to what we are. Um, you talk yeah, to a, yeah, they're not starting. It's yeah, they're it's, not. They're, he, definitely Deshaun Troutman, who we mentioned earlier, is from Edgewater High School in Orlando, Orange County. Orange County already announced they're not starting Monday. Uh, so right. you talk to him. You talk to Ryan Rodriguez, as you mentioned. You talked to Andres Borregales, uh, kicker right. from Chaminade, Madonna. Um, what would you? What were kind of some of your most interesting takeaways from talking to them? What was interesting was they each had they each of them on football as soon as possible. However, right. um, you know there are a couple of them that that had different takes. For example, Troutman, the, the three star um, linebacker yep. from Orlando Edgewater, he said he's he plans to sign early if there's an early signing period still, and and to start being an early be an early enrollee. Okay, he's allowed to do that from his school. Yep. No matter if they should, I brought up the, the idea of possibly if, if, if fall sports get canceled and let's say they postpone football until next spring, right? The spring of 2021. Mm-hmm. He said he doesn't care. He said he doesn't care. He's out of there. He said that, uh, you know, he, he's going to go to UM and enroll early no matter what and he would just miss as much as it would be a shame he'd miss yeah. his senior season um 
whereas Ryan Rodriguez, the center, okay, from uh, Miami Columbus, said that uh, he has too much pride, you know, in his high school, and um, although he's super proud of it, you know, he's going to UM, but he, and he's not allowed, David, because yes. he's in the school, to sign, excuse me, he's not allowed to uh, be an early enrollee, but even if he could, if they had football in the spring, he said he would play. Um, but he did tell me that Ryan Rodriguez told me something interested and said that uh, that players are a lot of. He said of uh, the recruits are saying that um, they're going to the University of Miami, just you know, just like Troutman, no matter what. Um, and they, they're not going to play in the spring because if they play in the spring, if there is spring football, and they get hurt. He said in that little two-month season, they'd have one month. They, they, they're telling him they'd have one month to, to get healed yeah. and prepare for college. And, and he said, you know, that messes people up. Yeah, uh, I think that's the he, case you've seen from a lot of people against the spring season. While they've been trying to kind of debate what would actually work best rather than the FHSA's plan, the case against the spring season is so many kids are signing in the winter now that, like, it makes it really hard to sign and then have an injury risk in the spring. Now, after... the other, Andres uh, or Andy Borgales, uh, the future kicker uh, for this season, it'll be his brother, Jose, yep. the FIU transfer. Um, anyway, he, what was interesting about our chat was he wants, he loves his decision that they made, the FH, uh, FHSAA. He said that he wants football ASAP, but for him, he doesn't have to worry. He's being, you know, recruited by places, yeah. even though he's Miami commit. Also um, worth noting, Chaminade also not part of the BCAA and not yeah. uh, affiliated with the Archdiocese, so they are another school that can make their own decisions, although they're not starting practice Monday either. Right, 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 right. And he, and, But he did say that, uh, that um, he feels bad for the, for the players who could have a breakout season yeah. this season, you know, and, and that, um, you know, this could be their final chance to get film, he said, and to, and maybe get some D1 offers. Uh, and he feels really bad for those kids. They're just, it, it's really sad. They're, you know, it's like what could have been, let's say, for them. And the other interesting thing, of course, was that he did confirm with me, even though it's, it's been kind of reported uh, you know, I hadn't talked to him until yesterday, and he said, yep, he, uh, you know, that North Carolina is, he's he's interested in exploring North Carolina, um, at University of North Carolina, also in the ACC, and that uh, he, he said they, they started hitting me up four or five months ago uh, and trying to recruit him, and... You know, then when he did very well in a uh, recently in the in a kicking camp with Chris Saylor in Texas, mm-hmm. he he kind of got the golden shirt, the top guy in that camp, uh, the UNC guy who was uh, recruiting him, the special teams coach Dewitt, uh, gave him a call to just check up on him, and he said they're trying to get me up there as soon as the dead period is over, so. And he and he plans on going. So I asked him. I said, "Well, aren't you committed to, to UM? I know how Manny Diaz loves when players are quote unquote committed and yeah. then visit somewhere else." But um, 
he said that, uh, you know, that he's, yeah, he is committed, but UNC wants me to go up there. Uh, he said, I'm still pretty solid with Miami. He said it like, I'm still pretty solid with Miami. Just the word pretty in front of solid. Yeah. Like stuck up my antenna. Um, I really like him. He's a, he's a really nice kid. Uh, very, very talented. Um, just, I, I really hope he uh, chooses UM. But, you know, I've just seen too many, too many of this, these kind of things play out yeah. in different ways. So, um, and I know he's just a kicker. I know, but to me, kickers are important. Yeah, we saw that last year. Yeah, exactly. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be uh, worth monitoring if we ever get back to visits. But but for now, uh, it is all uh, sunshine and roses for Miami on the recruiting trail. Right? All right, uh, let's wrap things up by talking about, um, we've, we hinted at it a couple times, but what might happen in the 2020 season? Um, because I think since the last time we talked, which is, I don't know, two or three weeks ago now, um, right. I think we're even maybe less pessimistic than we were at the time. And I think by then we were starting to trend pretty pessimistic about uh, the possibility of playing a season this fall. Um, last week, Miami had to briefly shut down practices because three kids tested positive. Not, you know, totally unexpected. We knew there were probably going to be positive tests at some point, but just a reminder of uh, how fragile this season is going to be, particularly as we remain a COVID-19 hotspot here in South Florida. Yes, uh, and, and you know, we're, it's, it's, yeah, it's still fragile. I mean, we're, we're still waiting. I'm, I'm not sure how We're theoretically often- only, what, like, two and a half weeks away from starting practice, right? Isn't it supposed to start yeah. like August 8th or something? 7th, I think. I, 7th. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, and the, and the ACC, again, has, has said they're going to, before the, before the uh, end of July, and it's already getting near the end of July. So any day they're going to come out with uh, some kind of plan or options or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, they you know, they canceled their media days. And, um, you know, we're all kind of waiting. We're all kind of seeing if the Power Five conferences get together. I think they really, the important thing is they they all think that they have to have the same... Um, protocols, basically. Protocols, right? like, protocols yeah. yeah, for this for the coronavirus, dealing with it. And for football and how they're going to deal with it. So, um, you know, we're waiting on that. And and then, you know, the, the NCAA re- released a very lengthy report late last week mm-hmm. rec- recommending guidelines for COVID-19. And I that's a whole nother, you know, a whole nother scenario now that's, that's going to be played out and and – it's going to make things really complicated um, because they went with most of the CDC um, guidelines, and uh, you know they, you know they 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 talked about things like uh, 14-day quarantines, and that, this is for all the NCAA teams. So 14-day qu- quarantines for close contacts of of players who uh, test positive. 
for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, David, a close contact is anyone who's been within the, the person who tested positive within six feet of them, right, of the infected athlete for at least 15 minutes, all right? And these guys are already working yeah. out now. They're working out, and they're going to be practicing formally, supposedly, uh, August 7th. And, I mean, think of how many guys are going to be within six feet. Yeah. You know, like position groups, offensive linemen and, you know, center and the quarterback. And it's just – and the interesting thing and kind of a scary thing is that the 14-day quarantine for the close contacts um, is – is mandatory, or this whole thing is suggested, but they're, they're kind of going by the CDC, by this yeah. recommendation. The 14-day quarantine for close contacts is regardless if those close contacts test positive. So if I'm next to someone who tested positive, and, okay, for more than 15 minutes, whatever, and then they say to me, you have to quarantine for 14 days, and then they still give me the test, Right, I'm the yeah. most con- and I test negative. David, doesn't matter. It's kind They're of the challenge it- we've been worried about the whole time. That like, if it one wide receiver out. gets it, it just it blows up the whole roster. And they may also you can't compete. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And also, by the way, I have to add that it also is true for opponents. So if you're in a game, and you think you have coronavirus, go go after the uh, just touching I'm, everyone. I'm, I'm <laughs> The defensive lineman <laughs> yeah. has it, right? And then the center he touches the center or whatever, your team, and the center then has to has to quarantine, and probably yep. so does the quarterback. So I it's I don't know. I think it's going to be absolutely in, insane. I mean, this there's just a lot of stuff's going to be coming out any day. It's true. So Yeah, it's the challenge that um, separates obviously college sports, not just from the NBA and the NHL that are playing in bubbles, but from even the MLB, which is obviously starting its season tomorrow, um, where it is, it is impossible to tell, you know, MLB players, they, they're playing 60 game regular season. That's what about two and a half months, basically. And these guys are obviously all getting paid handsomely. And, you know, even the, even the lowest paid players are getting a couple hundred thousand dollars for a full season. And um, they have families, a lot of them, by the way. Yeah. So yep. But, the young kids, but, you, but you, can, you can very easily set team rules in that environment, even in the MLB environment, that basically says you can't do anything. If you want to play this year and you want to get paid this year, you've got to go. Go from hotel to hotel, um, from stadium to stadium, from home to stadium, from hotel to stadium, and that's pretty much it. You know, and they're obviously they're busy in baseball. You know, they're traveling nonstop. There's only so many off days. You're playing every day. You're at their stadium like ten plus hours a day. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of t- a lot of downtime. That's just impossible to manage in college football, where these guys have to go to class. They have to. Uh, you know, you can't stop a college kid who's not getting paid from going to hang out at a friend's apartment, from going to a house party, from going to a fraternity party. Um, Yeah, I think that's the key, David, because they can still, you know, they can try to get the athletes. Some of the parents have told me, well, why not just get the athletes, uh, give them, uh, you know, 
the right to just do it online all the time, even if they're classes. Okay, do it online, but it doesn't matter. They're on campus. Yeah, they're they're mingling with with the other coeds. They're they're having girlfriends and friends and. Yeah, you and you know. can't and you can't for you know it's not the same way in baseball. There's an incentive for these players to not get sick and to, to listen to their team rules because you're getting paid. In college football, obviously, there's an incentive too because you know guys want to get drafted, guys just want to play because they like playing. But um, you can't incentivize it the same way that other sports can. Um, and you know, it'd be one thing if we were seeing somehow them getting through this perfectly fine. But the fact that even the schools that seem to be being most careful, like Miami, by all accounts, was doing a really good job. Um, right. You know, all it takes is one one person puncturing the bubble that you've set up for yourself at the facility, and it puts, um, you know, a lot of stuff in jeopardy. We don't know how many kids aren't practicing right now. We know, we know they only missed one day of practice, but we don't know how many kids aren't practicing right now. We don't know if they have, you know, if they're missing so many kids that they couldn't field a full roster if they had to play a game this Saturday. For sure, and we also don't know, that's exactly right, and we also don't know, uh, <laughs> since then, you know, I've been told there, there'll be testing, they're testing a lot more now, yeah. and we also don't know who since that day has tested positive, I don't, I, at least yeah. I don't know yet, mm-hmm. so, I, you know, um, wow, I, it's just, it's, I know everybody thinks it's, it's fine, they can, they'll, it's fine. They'll have a season and whatever. I just think it's it's going to be there's going to be big asterisks by this season, no matter yeah. what happens. Yeah, I mean it's a thing I, I've tried to mention a lot of times. You know the, uh, the the sort of COVID truthers who are out there saying, "Why does it matter? They're college kids. They're not going to get sick." Um, even yeah. if even if even if they're right and you're not gonna and ninety nine point nine percent of kids don't get sick, you can't. It's you can't play when, when someone has it because if it spreads across the entire country and every kid on every roster gets sick, odds are kids are going to die just based on the percentages. Um, yeah, someone's going to get really sick and yeah. or their mom or dad are yeah. going to die. Yeah. It, it's it's the reason the reason you can't play is not because um, one per, you know the the chances of one you know the risk of getting sick is like extremely high for an individual the reason you can't play is because you can't spread it everywhere and the, and the conferences are going to have rules obviously in place that'll prevent you from being able to play if you're sick because they they can't you know they don't want people to die <laughs> they don't want people to get really sick they, they don't want people's right. careers to be threatened by potentially lung damage they don't want people's lives to be changed by this illness like it's it's just an impossible task for them right now and um it's Still bizarre to me that there hasn't been like a lot of traction about moving the season to the spring, but. And there, by the way, I just, I just, I'm looking uh, at something that was just released, I believe. Uh, Miami-Dade County Public Schools Vice Chair Dr. Steve Gallen, I don't know how to say it, the third, Mm -hmm. to, okay, proffer, school board agenda item regarding withdrawal from the Florida High School Athletic Association. Yeah. This, I, yeah, I should have something coming probably by the time this podcast is posted. I should have something up about uh, how frustrated some Miami-Dade coaches are with the FHSAA and, and the momentum gathering behind potentially, yeah. even if it's just for this season, doing something independent. I talked to uh, Uncle Luke for like 25 minutes yesterday, and 
I think I asked him one question. He just talked for 25 minutes about it. So is it? So I've got a, got a lot coming from him and a couple other coaches across uh, Dave that, and Broward. It looks like they're gonna they're going to discuss this or vote on it or whatever on August 12th. It says. Yeah, my understanding is there's already been discussions kind of behind the scenes between, um, you know, Miami-Dade County Schools and maybe even Broward. Like, they're all trying to kind of be uniform in whatever they make a decision to do um, because, you know, they're worried they're not going to play a season. Right, obviously. so they could they could do a, uh, a, mini, a mini conference of the majors. Yes, yeah. <laughs> As I, Mike Manasco from Palmetto, uh, I talked to him yesterday, and as he said, are you really going to play a state championship without South Florida? Like, if, if South Florida's not in a state championship, is it really a state championship at all after? Uh... Yeah, like Brian Rodriguez told me, he said, boy, that would be boring. <laughs> yeah, after last year, uh, Dade and Broward combined to win seven of the eight state championships, and of course... They don't have any teams playing in that eighth classification, so they went seven for seven in the ones they could win. Oh, man. Wow. Anyway, there's always news coming up, huh? Yeah. Um, what else is going on here? Yeah, basically, I, I think we finally – I think it's notable that the NCAA finally put out those guidelines because I think there was finally kind of a groundswell going against them. Um, basically, it, this was – you know, obviously there's a lot of things to hate about the NCAA. Um, and I think this is arguably the worst they've ever handled anything. Just the total lack of, like, leadership, lack of communication from Mark Emmert down to the member schools. Um, I think it's a little bit of a microcosm for some of the problems our, our country might be having where we're like kind of letting everyone do their own thing. And I think that's – speaking of the FHSAA, I think that's the problem a lot of these uh, – Dade County and Broward County coaches have with the FHSA's decision is that, um, you know, they're kind of feigning uh, flexibility by saying everyone can do their own, own thing when realistically most people uh, don't actually have the ability to, to do their own thing. They're beh- at the behest of this virus. Um, but the NCAA finally, you know, that's a, a step <laughs> – you know, a small step, basically a small step as you can have is those guidelines. But eventually, they, if they want to save this college football season, they have to get everyone on the same page in terms of – and obviously some schools have already backed out, some conferences have already backed out, but, you know. Yeah, like if, if this the Power se- Five, they, they all – They've want- got to get the Power Five and maybe the American and, and maybe like the like a couple of the other big, you know, next tier down conferences. They've got to get them all on the same page. Because um, you can't have five, six, seven, eight different conferences doing five, six, seven, eight different things um, and expect this season to go as planned. And and it's, you know, the the dirty secret of the NCAA has always been that they don't really actually have any authority. Like, they're just kind of the... Well, they're made up of the schools. Right, they're know. made up of yeah. the schools. The schools are the ones, you know, conferences are the ones that establish the rules. The NCAA is just there to, I guess, kind of keep everyone organized, basically. And, governing, it is a yeah. governing body, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I. But they only yeah. have authority over like the national championships and stuff. The regular season, they it's all up to conferences and individual schools, and I, I think they've got to like put down the hammer, or they're going to totally lose control of this season, and you're not going to have an NCAA championship of any sort. And yeah, yeah again, at, they can't force anyone to do anything, but they can that that national championship that they can move the date of or something like that. Um, would obviously force everyone to respond. 
Yeah, I mean, they need some kind of national standard. It's just going to be too confusing. And then each of the conferences, I think that, you know, I, I know the Power Five conferences are trying to do that, have some kind of standard sure. that they all go by. And I know we also, we haven't even talked about this, about some of the options now being discussed. Like, like just like you, you know, you were saying, and, and I was saying this news, you know, maybe that, you know, locally in high schools, Broward and Palm Beach, mm-hmm. and they'd get together and do one big conference or something like that for this year. Well, um, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios going on now for for 2020 within the Power Five and the conferences. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, so it seems like most of those things are just hypothetical now, but they are fun to talk about, though, so I put them on our outline. Um yeah. You want to talk about, I, I, there's like kind of, I think, I like the Pat Forty one that he put out. Um, this is a while ago. I don't know if we ever talked about it on here. Um, oh, that's a, no, I don't think so. That's the national one, right? Where yeah. Go ahead. You talk about that one. Oh, I got to pull it up. Um, basically, it would be to, yeah, so he's got, he just, I mean, and, and since this, since he put this out, I think some schools have already said they're not playing, so would have to change. Right. But he basically put out eight different conferences. Uh, the Deep South would be Miami. The Great Mideast would be, like, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Uh, the Mid-Atlantic would be, like, Clemson, North Carolina, a lot of the other ACC schools, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, the Yankee is the Northeast, which would be, like, Syracuse, Penn State, Maryland, uh, Army, Navy. Uh, you know, so you, you get the, the Pac-12 still is just a bunch of West Coast teams, USC, Stanford, Washington. So the Miami conference is, you know, that's what I care about. So basically the idea would be you play everyone from your conference once and it creates like a super, you know, there's eight eight uh, conferences. So it kind of sets up nicely for a uh, expanded college football playoff. Um, and they are, what are they, 12 team? Yeah, 12 team conferences. So you get an 11 game regular season or whatever. Yeah. Um, and Miami's would be really fun. Um, the competition would be, I think, pretty comparable to the ACC, quite frankly. Probably even better. You get Miami. You get – so it's realigned entirely based on geography. So there are some weak conferences like that Yankee conference that I mentioned. Like Penn State's going to run away with that one theoretically. But this one's pretty good. You get – so you get Miami. You get FIU. You get FAU, obviously. You get USF. You get UCF. You also get Florida State and Florida. So you get all the Florida schools together. And then you throw in uh, some of the Georgia schools, Georgia, of course, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern, and I think Georgia State is this last logo. So it would basically be a Miami and Georgia league. Um, obviously, this would limit travel. You know, Miami would have a lot of games that would be bus trips. You know, definitely right. two, potentially five or six of those games are, are within, you know, busing distance. And obviously, like a school like FIU, FAU, Georgia State, Georgia Southern that, that might not have the financial flexibility this year could theoretically drive to every one of those games. Um, and then what do they do? They just divide all the money at the end. They have some, kind I guess, of I don't know if he, I don't know if they, uh, specifically like if he put out a, uh, like how this would work financially, but this was just about like, what could we make the schedules easy? So that you limit travel and stuff. And okay, you know, ultimately it's probably like not, you know, it's not going to happen. This isn't a real plan. This is Pat Forty <laughs> from sports illustrated putting out some uh, idea, but I love this idea. I love the idea of determining basically a Florida state champion. I love that too. I love Florida day, but that's no way that's happening. Oh no, no chance. 
and the the other one that that I wrote a little bit about was uh, one that I, I know David Teal of the Richmond Times Dispatch, yep. and he, he covers the ACC uh, schools, and um, that's one where, and he said it is being discussed. Actually, it was being mm-hmm. discussed. I think was uh, there are fourteen teams, by the way, usually per conference, yep. and. So for the 14 teams plus Notre Dame, who belongs to ACC, the ACC and everything but football, but for this season, the, the Notre Dame would, would join. Yeah, they're going to have to do something because uh, it's going to be tough 15, to be an independent this year. Right, right, 15 teams in the ACC, and there would be three five-team pots, right? And in that scenario, teams would play each pod rival twice, mm-hmm. okay, that's because that would make eight games, and then uh, and then possibly two more games against SEC teams. And the reason he said SEC is because there's some big rivalries like Florida State, Florida, Georgia Tech, Georgia, uh, that they want to preserve. So uh, you know, now what I what I said, I wrote a story and I said that the geographic proposal in that way, uh, the pod thing, isn't exactly wonderful. Because the nearest ACC competitor is for Miami is Florida State. Yeah. That's 487 miles away, right? And there are no annual Canes rivalry games against the SEC teams. So, um, that I don't know. I don't think Miami's in a bad spot that way because they're just not near a lot of ACC teams. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I keep throwing out, you know, I, I'm going to keep harping on it. I think Barry Jackson's the same way, just – uh, they got to think about spring, and the, that's the hammer the NCAA has to play with, because like I said, um, you know the Power Five conferences can choose to do their own thing collectively, but once the NCAA says, "Hey, we're going to play this," well, I don't know when the national championship's supposed to be. Let's say it's January twelfth or something. If they say, right. "Hey, we're," if they say, "Hey, we're going to play this national championship on April twelfth instead," it forces everyone to follow them. And by the way, guess where the national championship is. Beautiful South Florida, Miami yeah, Gardens. And I feel so bad for the Orange Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I, it's just how did they get screwed this way? I mean, they, they've been waiting so long, you know. Yeah. So that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So, um, I, I are you are you expecting them to start practice on August seventh or whatever? It seems like, if I had to guess, and I haven't talked to anyone, any sources or anyone behind the scenes, but if I had to guess, I would think they are operating as if they're going to start that day while knowing that there's a pretty good chance it's not going to happen. I would agree with that. Or they're about to release, like the ACC maybe is waiting for the NCAA, like, to to put out that the standard thing where – Maybe they pull back a little where, I don't know, where they do it differently. They just do it differently. If they do start August 7th, I I just can't imagine them right now playing the season. That's the thing. They're working out. They're doing all their stuff. But maybe it'll be an extension of these workouts, these mandatory workouts they have now, lifting and whatever. Maybe, you know, if maybe they'll have some really strict rules. I don't know. David, how do they really practice? It's just, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the NCAA guidelines theoretically lead um, a little bit. Obviously, you know, the NFL is supposed to start practicing, I think, next week. Um, and I believe the plan is to report uh, to everything. So so there will be, like, a, a precedent is, basically yeah, set. they for, already just canceled the uh, preseason games. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so. it, it seems unlikely. There are obviously guidelines for how you practice. But, I mean, it, it, again, it just seems... Yeah, you know, I don't know what Miami's workouts have been like behind the scenes. I assume they don't have ninety kids out there at a time. Um, no. Considering we are in the middle, we're in a hot spot where um, you know every day it feels like there's talk about potentially shutting things down again. Uh, it, it's hard to envision Miami being allowed to, you know, or at least the CDC guidelines, local guidelines, recommending they could start practice. Um, yeah, obviously, we got more than two weeks. A lot can change in two weeks, but right now, it's not good. There's there's no uniformity. Here's what's going to happen. If the season gets started, there's going to be some major team. Yeah. Somebody, Miami, Alabama, Tennessee, some team is going to have to forfeit. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's going to happen throughout the country, I believe. And then uh, they're not even going to have played the same amount of games, you know, when they when they come out and do the whatever the the college football playoff committee, you know what I mean? And they do the rankings. I mean, how? Yeah, no it's the exact same party. problem. It's the exact same problem I've been we've been talking about for two days with the FHSA's plan. It's like you can say that our plan to do everything on time is going to give people flexibility. You can say. Hey, this is great. Everyone can start whenever they're ready to start. But if you still have a set end point, and, you know, for high school football, that is December, and for college yeah. football, that is January, if you still have a set end point, it doesn't give people flexibility because you have to finish your season by then. And it doesn't matter if you have missed four games because of coronavirus. If you can't start, if Miami can't start playing until the middle of November, it's Great that they had the opportunity to start, but it's not great that they still have to finish their season in January if they want to contend for a bowl game and contend for a national championship. Uh, and it's not going to be, it's not even going to be, it's almost, like I said, asterisk. I mean, it's it's like, what if some major Eisman-type guy, quarterback, gets coronavirus, right? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? And then, and then it's, it's not even, just doesn't feel authentic. Yeah, if you know, it just I don't even know if asterisk is the right like word because everything's gonna have an asterisk these days. But like, I don't know. It just feels like you could do something smarter than just say, "Hey, let's just do it how we we're supposed to, how it's supposed to treat everything like it's normal." That's been our problem the whole time with this, with this coronavirus. Is we've tried way too much to act like things are all normal um, when they are obviously not. And if they did, if they did something more proactive and delayed the season. Just gives you a little bit more time, you know. Maybe, maybe even if you push the season to January, start the season in January. Maybe even then, there would be issues because of coronavirus. Maybe even then, some teams might have to forfeit every once in a while because of the coronavirus. But there's a lot less chance of that. There's a lot better chance that you're going to get through something resembling a normal season, even if it starts in January. Um, Obviously, some places maybe there's there's the weather's not great. There's too much snow or whatever, but that's better than just having every weekend there be like 
four or five games that don't happen because of an outbreak on a team or four or five games that, that happen, but with like half the starting lineup missing because there's an outbreak. It's just ridiculous to think they might, that they're, it's ridiculous to think you might play a season normally on time right now. Well, all I know is for sure, this is going to be a very interesting season. How about, how about there you go. <laughs> that is the understatement of all time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we can finish up there. Um, we'll be back next week, I guess, because we are getting, like we said, we're getting close to the start of football practice. Who knows if they're going to actually happen, but theoretically we're getting close. Um, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan, uh, check out her story, uh, talking to those local high school kids. If you want some more of their insights about what the FHSA decision means for them. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I have been also, um, writing about that. I'll have a story, like I said, probably by the time most of you listen to this, it'll be up, um, about local reactions and, and some of the measures that are being considered um, by local coaches and local administrators about how to maybe play a season of their own this year if the FHSA won't cooperate. Um, right. I also, in case you didn't check it out, I wrote a story about Kendrick Norton two weeks ago. I don't think we've recorded since then. I checked that out also a year since his car accident that, that took his arm and, and obviously his NFL career too, but He's upbeat. He's uh, he's doing well. So I think we can wrap things up there, though. Um, you got anything else? Uh, Wear no. a mask. Wear a mask. No. Um, what was that? Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Stay safe. Wear a mask, yes. Yeah, yeah. let's wrap things up okay. there. Wear a mask, and maybe we'll play some college football at some point. Maybe. Maybe. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.